hello and welcome back to AA Opera Podcast. We are on episode 12. Yay! We still have to celebrate episode 10. We st- I know, I know, that just shows how busy we are, doesn't it? Um, we are so excited because it's the last week of term. We've got, yeah. It's the last day. It's, it's the, the last, last day, day today. Yeah. Incredible. So excited. How's your week been? I haven't, I actually haven't seen you. This is the first time I'm talking to you all the, week. This, we've just been saying this is absolutely crazy. Um, but yes, my week's been fine. Um, it's just everyone is just feeling very, very tired. And I haven't been that busy. I've just been attending the classes that I normally attend <laughs> and teaching the people that I normally teach. But yeah, it's just been quite hard to get through the week. We're all exhausted. Yeah. I have great news, though. I hit my minimum target Yay. on SoundCloud, which means that this podcast will finally have two microphones. Oh. But if you want to help me so that we can do even more for this podcast and more for the channel, please check out my SoundCloud. Yes, please do, because any help towards this podcast would be greatly appreciated because we've we've worked so hard for this, yeah. you know, and uh, we're glad that you're still following us. So thanks yeah. for tuning in. What about your week, Avi? I'm, I'm ready for a break. But I'm also really excited because when we're recording this, it's actually Thanksgiving. So I'm going to Thanksgiving dinner tonight. Yay. Very excited. But yeah, this week we have a really amazing guest. Jonathan Lakeland. What a nice man. <laughs> well, you'll see what he describes himself as very, very soon, which is brilliant. He'll bring much happiness to your day. Yeah. Um, and he is a repetitor and conductor here at the Royal Academy. He's a fellow here. As well as he runs his own podcast, which you will hear more about. So stay tuned. You will not regret it. Should we talk about something? Welcome to uh, the podcast. Thank, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Who are you, Jonathan? I, you know, you asked me. This is a weird question. I think, I think, <laughs> who is I, Jonathan? Lakeland? Who is Jonathan Lakeland? <laughs> I, I guess I was thinking about how do I answer that, and I, the only thing I came up with was like a five foot seven bundle of joy. But I think that's more like what I want to be. That's I don't know if I good, always that, am. That's a good starting point. Being like, who are you? I'm a 5.7 foot bundle of joy. <laughs> I, I, I'm a musician, uh, music lover, uh, been doing it for my whole life. So it's, I think that's a big part of my identity. Mm. And um, and you hail from the northeast of America. That's right, just outside New York City, just north of New York City in Connecticut. The most beautiful place in the world. Oh, you're just sucking up. No, I really love the Merritt, like the Merritt Highway. You love the Merritt Parkway? Yeah. Oh, you you know what you're talking about. I love the Merritt Parkway, yeah, too. Yeah, because my cousins... How do you know about the Merritt Parkway? Because I have a lot of cousins in Newton, Massachusetts. Okay. And my family is from... And, like, those are, like, my first cousins. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And my mom and dad are both from the Upper West Side of New York, but I was born in New Jersey, so that is... Oh, I didn't I know the, you were born in the States. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Wow. So, so Merritt is a beautiful highway, though. It is a beautiful highway. She's absolutely right. I do love America, but I've only been to... Vegas and Florida. Like. Very different from the Northeast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Of the two places to go to, those are two. Florida is where everybody goes to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Vegas is where everybody goes to party. So I guess, you know. Yeah. She partied hard and then she was ready to retire. Absolutely. No, that's not true. Yeah. I can't claim that. I went to Vegas when I was like 11. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So, moving on. So sure. we've established that you're from the States. A five foot seven bundle of joy. From the States. Done. From the States. Done. Let's just end it there. <laughs> um, what brought you over to the UK? It's a really good question. So I finished my undergraduate training in the States 
in 2012. And I worked there for a couple of years and I was trying to decide what I wanted to do next. I went to conservatory in the States at a place called a wonderful school called Westminster Choir College and uh, did my undergrad in piano. And I uh, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I knew I always wanted to, I, I knew I wanted to go do my master's somewhere and continue my, my training. Um, I had always known I wanted to come and study in the UK because I am a dual citizen. My dad's from here, oh. a lot of my family lives here. Yeah, so I, I knew that was a good opportunity that I wanted to take advantage of. And I also felt, and I still feel this way uh, having come here, that there are things in the training of young musicians that the Brits do better than I think anybody else in the world. Um, America has its strengths too, but I, I recognize that there were some things that, that are done better in the UK, and mm -hmm. so I wanted to come and get the benefit of both sides of that kind of education. Very interesting. Yeah, I think Americans are really good with technique and technical things. And what are we good at? Artistic interpretation and, and developing, oh, cultivating yeah. artistry. I hate that word artistry, but I can't think of a better one. And it's not to say, you know, that they don't do that in America, but I think in America there's a little bit of, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it, it's just that maybe they try and be a little bit simpler, a little bit more basic, and as a result a little bit, this is a sweeping generalization, a little bit less interesting all the time in terms of their interpretations of music. Mm -hmm. I think in Europe you're encouraged, as, particularly as a student, and that's really what I'm talking about here, um, to do more, to, to make a bold choice, to try something. And it's not to say that there aren't plenty of places in America where they also encourage you to do that, there certainly are, but the, the vast number of places, I say the majority of places, are far more focused on developing your technical ability as a musician, mm -hmm. and as a result, in terms of interpretation, they're a bit, they're trying to get you to do what's on the page and only what's on the page, uh, whereas over here I think they're trying to really encourage you to lift the music off the page and bring it to life. And, yeah. and, and so that's, I wanted to get both the technical training and this approach and uh, kind of mindsets. So we forgot to mention that you're a repetitor. Yes, repetitor. repetitor. Yeah, let's just say it, you know, just say repetitor. repetitor. Yes. I am a repetitor. Um, which many people don't actually know what that is. According to Google, now I had oh, a lot of fun. I'm so ready. I had a lot of fun searching this because yeah. I have terrible spelling. So when I was writing this don't down, worry. it was the questions. I was like, how do I spell this? I'm so ready for whatever Google <laughs> says I do. And then let's see if it's right. This will be fun. So according to Google, a tutor or coach of ballet, dance, or musicians, <laughs> especially opera singers. Oh, period. especially. <laughs> yikes. So this, yeah, it's not, okay. It's a good, like, very basic <laughs> very definition generalized. of what we do. It is true that there are ballet repetitors who do one job, and there are opera repetitors who do a totally different job. I think repetitor, best way to say it, to summarize it, is that Repetitors are music staff members for an uh, opera production. And within the specialty of being a repetitor, there are subspecialties. So some people are really focused on being great keyboardists. There are amazing orchestral pianists and they're specialists on harpsichords, forte pianos, even rare instruments like cellists, things mm -hmm. like that. Other repetitors are really more interested in conducting some are really interested in coaching. Uh, so there's a lot of subspecialties, but to, the umbrella idea is that repetitors are usually employed for an operatic production to help prepare the singers and sometimes the orchestra 
uh, to, to perform a, an opera and to perform an opera in the interpretation that the conductor and the members of the music staff um, kind of come up with. Is it sort of like an assistant conductor in a way? An assistant conductor is a, is a subspecialty within being a repetitor. And in, play, in fact, some places like the Met, I think, exclusively uses the term assistant conductor. Like, they don't have repetitors. They have assistant conductors, all of whom are employed to do different specialties. Like, some might be called assistant conductors. They might never step on a podium and conduct. Mm -hmm. They're still given that title. But so for me, I am a repetitor, but for example, we're doing Magic Flute right now. I am the assistant conductor of Magic Flute. So I'm both umbrellaed by this term repetitor, but then I'm the assistant conductor. Um, there's another guy who is the chorus master on yeah. Magic Flute. He's also a repetitor, technically, um, which is why it's almost better to say repetitor equals member of the music staff because the music staff has like some clearly defined roles for each production. Every production is gonna have an assistant conductor, a chorus master if there's a chorus, and then there will usually be um, piano specialists or keep, like people who really wanna focus on playing. Um, so we have two of those on Magic Flute. So yeah, it's, it's really, uh, to be a repetitor is to be a member of the music kind of support team, um, the music preparation team, ensuring the singers know what they're doing, helping them to perform the piece as best as they can, guiding them to perform the piece in the interpretation that the conductor wants, all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a really great job, I love it. It's one of the most interesting and exciting jobs. Um, and it's really not talked about enough, it's such a, it's a cool position to have. When you were studying piano yeah. on your undergrad, yeah. did you always know that you wanted to be a repetitor? You know, it's weird, I, I wasn't always super passionate about opera, I'm very passionate about opera now, but I, I was thinking about it and ever since I started I, ever since I was a kid, I I really, I think I was setting myself up for this career in a weird way. Well, I started playing the piano when I was five or six, and then I started doing theater when I was really young too, like, I mean, little summer camps and things like that, or taking acting classes and improv classes and things like that when I was quite young. I feel like um, that's also a very American thing, to go to a summer camp for music. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I would come over from Israel for those things, because it's like such... Like an integral part of going away yeah. to summer camp. Yeah. Specifically, music summer camps. Yeah. 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 So music sometimes theater. Yeah. Don't yeah. call it summer camp. It's like summer summer courses. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and and things like that. I think Quiet. there are different ones in the states too, because there are like sleepaway camp. We call them sleepaway camps, where yeah. you're like away for weeks at a time from your like family. Eight weeks. Like oh. a boarding camp almost. It sounds a bit prison-like, but yeah. it is, it's, it's, it's quite nice. Um, so I started doing musical theater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I was in a children's opera chorus stuff at a place called Connecticut Grand Opera, which was an amazing opera company, which doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. And I, I just, I, I was setting myself up for it. And then when I was 13 or 14, I, I actually, this amazing theater company I was studying at saw my my love for conducting. I got obsessed with Leonard Bernstein was like, when I was like 11 or 12. Uh, and my capacity as a pianist, and they invited me to musically direct a production when I was like 14, ridiculously young. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I know. They, I, I'm very forever grateful to. <laughs> Here's a shout out: Music Theater of Connecticut, Jim Schilling and Kevin Connors, who believed in me. That's and I, very, I'm, very young. It's ridiculously <laughs> young. It's so young. I, I'm, but I'm so glad I did it because I also rocked up to the first day of the of the. I love that British phrase rocked up. <laughs> uh, rocked up to the first day of um, uh, orchestral pit rehearsals. And it turns out they hadn't told me, but it was complete trial by fire. They 
uh, hired a pit full of faculty from the Yale School of Music. <gasps> and they, I was 14, rocking up, not realizing who I was working with, and they had been hired not being told that the conductor was 14. So it was, it was, I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was like, it was, it was, Successful I it, um yeah yeah good. they definitely gave me a run for my money in well that like done. they weren't necessarily very easy to yeah. me on me but I, in the end it was really successful and I was grateful that they were difficult at times mm. um because I mean they were difficult because they were from the Yale School of Music and they were like who's this I'm oh, sorry I won't swear I'm sure I'm <laughs> gonna, uh, you have to put the little e next to it. um who's this um little uh, weasel. Weasel. <laughs> yeah. Who's a little weasel who's up here waving his arms around at us? But th I'm grateful for that because if it had been really an easy um, introduction, it, it, it wouldn't have prepared me as well. But yeah, um, I started doing a lot of theater and then I got into opera in, at school and, and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. Here we are. So, uh, when should a singer actually approach? A rep coach. Yeah. Like what? What? What process of the <laughs> learning process? Mm. I think when you're talking about rep coaches, which are slightly different from like a rep you might encounter as a music music staff member of a production. Like not all of them like to coach singers. Some do though. So again, this is the the trouble with the term repetiteur. But when you when should you approach a coach? Um, every coach is different. Some coaches really don't mind helping you learn a piece of music, like plunking out notes, rhythms, all that kind of stuff. Others will view it as a waste of, of their time. So first of all, I think it really depends upon you as the singer, what do you need? Some singers genuinely, for very valid reasons, need some assistance in learning scores, you know, in learning parts. Sometimes you get a, a, a part or a piece that's very new, very, very challenging, and so you might need a little bit more of that kind of basic assistance. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Just make sure that you find a coach who's going to be happy doing that. Yeah, just come you know? clean and say, this is what yeah. I'm coming to you for. It's, it's far better to do yeah. that. But always, I would say, rule of thumb. Even if you're coming in needing help learning notes and rhythms, even if it's a really basic piece and you feel slightly like sad that you need help, with something very basic like learning notes and rhythms. There's nothing wrong with that. It's totally okay as far as I'm concerned. But it's like you said, mm. just come in and be and and be honest about that. But also make it clear that you've done some work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's nothing worse than somebody coming in and dumping a score on my oh, I've just, piano. I just took this out the library. Exactly. Um, can we go through it? Exactly. Like, or, or like, yeah, my teacher just gave me this piece. And like, even if that's the case, if they've, if the person has made an effort to like listen to the piece a couple times or something, have some kind of familiarity with it, it's okay for me. So, but if somebody comes in and they're just like, can you just teach me this? And they're <laughs> just, it's all about tone, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that turns me off more. And I will actively avoid ever yeah. coaching that person again. Because mm -hmm. that tone, sorry, that was pretty harsh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of true. Uh, that tone really turns me off. Why, like, d then I feel like I'm your servant and you're just coming to me because you're too lazy to do anything, yeah. you know? I like working with singers who, even if they need help, whatever they need help with is fine, but I like working with singers who put in effort and work and really care about what they're doing. Yeah, you know? but then that also goes to like, what level is the coach at and what level are you at? and what you're supposed mm. to be expected. Like we recently did a podcast with a director, with Greg Eldridge, and he was just saying, if you don't know your music, you're fired. Like, 
Yeah. Because he's at the Royal Opera House, and by the time you get to someone like that, you should know your yeah. music yeah. 100%. But the point, but coming to you with an attitude of saying, like, I don't know this well enough, you're you're there to kind of, like, make sure Reach that they go out. into the oh, yeah. room yeah. confident. Absolutely. You're, you're spot on. So the coaching room is, first of all, a safe space, an educational space. When you come to a coach um, in general... If it's not perfect, if it's if you're still working on notes and rhythms, that's that's absolutely fine. But it's about, I think, even at a very basic level, making making it clear that you've made an effort. You know that you're you're coming to this having put in some time yourself. Uh, when you get into the rehearsal room, staging, all that kind of stuff, yeah, you gotta you gotta know what you're doing. You gotta know the music, and yeah. that's what these co- what coachings are for. And so right. singers should should not singers should explore the coach land that's open to them, find the coaches they really like working with, um, start to isolate and figure out which coaches are good, because coaches sometimes have different specialties. Some are really good linguists. Um, uh, some, well, there's a million different specialties. And just know who to go for, for what. Can I just <clears> jump <throat> on that yeah. and ask, if you're like outside of conservatoire, say you've, you've graduated, how would you find a coach if you weren't in the system? That's a really good question. I think I'm a big one for referrals. I think yeah. word of mouth with singers is really good. Yeah. Um, singers, more than a lot of other musicians, are are very good at sharing with each other. I think really good diction coaches or uh, vocal coaches, musical coaches, you know. And so ask ask around. Mm. And and I this funny. There are more and more kind of um, specialist communities online facebook groups and things oh, like that yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm i'm like iffy with some of them i think quite a lot of it is very reactionary and it's not always great but sometimes you can see a pattern of mm. you know of, i think also with that even with the pattern of referrals every person's different so yeah. it's like even if someone was like really had a horrible experience with someone it might be that that person might not get along with that coach and that's mm-hmm. like i think you should still give it a shot and like maybe take two or three. It's like yes. the three rule. If you if first time is like the meeting bar- mm-hmm. time, the second time you're actually gonna work, and then the third time you'll actually be able to make an opinion about the person. Yeah. And then at that third one, you're not clicking. Get out. I think that's a great rule. I think that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. Give it give it a period of time too mm-hmm. to get to know one another. And I think the only way to do it is is kind of just if you get to a new city, just I, you can start with conservatory faculty and just. Plow through it and, yeah. and find people that you like and, and ask around and yeah. see what you do. But it's a t- it's trial and error. It's trial yeah. and error. And then you'll yeah. find the people that really work for you. But if somebody's not working for you and you've given it a shot, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, to yeah. waste your money on somebody who you, you don't feel like you're getting value from. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Jonathan, you actually run your own podcast. I do. <laughs> <laughs> With much There's fear. element of fear. It's so I mean, much fear. So I'm, I admire you two so much for what you're doing because I know how difficult it is to like go out there and and just say, "Here I am. Here's what yeah. I do." Uh, I do run my own podcast and blog. You can finish your question if you want to. That's fine. Um, and it's called. <laughs> you kind of answered part of it, but I was also asking, "What is it? What is it? It's called, called Pitch Shift." And what is it about? So Pitch Shift is a project I've had for a long time. And um, I look forward to a time when I can have all the time in the world to devote to it. But right now it's it's body, but it's picking up, which I'm happy about. Pitch shift is all about changing the kind of general public 
understanding of what classical music is. I think because a lot of people lack the context to understand what classical music is, so they have all these kinds of misconceptions. Um, that it's pretentious, that it's only for people who are trained in classical music, that it's completely unrelatable. And I think as classical musicians, we all understand that those are really, those aren't true. Um, that actually, as far as I'm concerned, I think classical music is one of the most relatable genres of music out there. There's something for everybody. And Pitch Shift is all about sharing that with the world. So I do, I have a podcast coming up. Uh, the first episode is all about kind of talking, talking about answering the question, what is classical music? And then it's also going to be a series of um, interviews and discussions with classical musicians who talk about what classical music is and talk about why it's relatable and help audience members um, who are new to classical music and who are established lovers of classical music um, to explore the genre more. So the second episode, uh, first interview episode, will be with Anthony Roth Costanzo, who is starring right now at the Met Opera in New York City in Akhenaten. He was here um, in London uh, last season doing it at, uh, was it ENO? Yeah, ENO. Yeah. Um, and he's a phenomenal countertenor, and he, he gives a really interesting discussion. It's a really interesting conversation, which I really enjoyed. Do we have a date for when it's coming out? Um, well, Avi, it comes out this coming Monday, December 2nd. Amazing! Yeah, imagine the timing of that. It's, <laughs> there's no planning involved, yes. No planning yeah. involved. And where can people find this podcast? Wherever you get your podcast from is where this podcast will be available. That's amazing! <laughs> And other social media? Are you on? Oh yeah, we're on the Facebook. Uh, I think. Oh, we're on the the Instagram. We're on the tw- the Twitter. The, the Twitter. Twitter. Uh, or pitch-shift.com. Nice. Thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. And best of luck for your podcast. Hey, and we'll miss you here now that you're moving back yeah. to the stage. <laughs> I know. I know. It is sad. But I'm freelancing, so I'll be back in the area uh, at certain points. But uh, yeah. I will miss being here very much. Thank you for yeah. having me on the, on the little It's been really nice having the chat. Really so. glad this worked out. Thanks, guys. It's time for my fun fact of the week. I'm so excited because you haven't actually told me until. And I've been holding on for this one. <laughs> I've been holding on to this one for quite some time. So, since we were talking to a repetitor, I thought it would be fitting to talk about what you say to someone right before they go on stage, which is... Toy, toy, toy. No, the other one. Break a leg. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I did the very Ponzi opera thing there. Yes. Toy, toy, toy. Toy, 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 Sorry, break a leg. Well, you know, toy, toy, toy comes from something else, which is more like tfu, tfu, tfu. We say that in Hebrew too. Tfu, tfu, tfu. Save that. Save it for another fun fact. Save it for another fun fact. But we're talking about break a leg now. Break a leg. So, have you any idea where the term comes from? No. No, I don't. And I'm not, I'm not going to guess. Okay. So, once upon a time, in order to raise and lower the curtain, yeah, there was something called a leg. And they ah. wanted to wish you such good luck that people will clap so many times that the guy has to like cr- keep cranking it and that he will break the leg. The leg. Oh. 
I was going to guess that it was some kind of someone did actually break the leg on the someone very famous broke the leg on the first performance or something. No, no. That is a very good fun fact. I would yeah. give actually give you that that's the best fun fact I've had. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Yes. Yeah. I have to give it to my friend Eran Margolito because he told me this a mm. couple of years ago and I remembered it. I was like, oh, yeah. Still a fun fact. Still valid. Fun very fact. valid. <laughs> Thank you. This week, we asked you guys a very simple question. What's your favourite aria? I mean, it's not really a simple question. So no. many things come to mind. Um, but so many of you got in touch. As yeah, well. thank you so much. Whatever is not on here will be on our Instagram as like a story. Yes. In our highlights. Um, so the first one is from Anne-Marie Mark, who commented on our Facebook post. And she said, Song to the Moon. Mm, that's from Rusoka. I also got a response from Joseph Ganzert, who is a very nice man that I know. Uh, Pieta rispetto amore from Macbeth, which is Macbeth's aria. Mm. It's really good. Sounds nice. heavy. It's very, very deep. Really and good. then we had James McTavish, my friend from uni, James Alexander, 1995 on Instagram, um, Ombra Mai Fu from um, Handel's Circe. It's the opening aria in that. That's the one. And then for my good friend, Michal Doron, um, she said, Dorabella to listen to because she's a contra alto, so she cannot sing Dorabella. Ah. But I also, it's a fun one. And we also had uh, O Carlo Ascolta from Don Carlo by Verdi. Another good Verdi. Verdi yeah. is good. Verdi has good arias. Banging numbers. Yeah. And then we also have Witten Kyle. Kyle Witten, I bet his name is. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Witten, I want to say, told us Non Piu Andrei, which is from Marriage of Figaro by Mozart. So what is on this week? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> okay. Um, well, if you are around the academy tonight and you're an academy student listening to this, then it's the carol service tonight at the parish church just opposite the academy. So catch that. Isn't it by candlelight, I think? Yes, it is. Oh, nice. It'll be really, really pretty. So if you're listening to this um, before 6pm today, then get yourself over to the carol service. Tickets are £5. And at the Royal Opera House, it's Death in Venice on at the moment. Yeah, um, rave reviews, completely yeah. sold out. But you know, you know how these things work. Like people are always flogging tickets on Opera Talk and things like that. So if you can yeah. get yourself a ticket, then that would be good. Or try Friday Rush. And we are getting in the Christmas spirit already. Uh, and it's not not an opera, but you can go and see Paddington on Ice at uh, Hyde Park Winter Wonderland. The whole Christmas shebang is open now there. So if you want some fairground rides, some cozy Christmas food and markets. <laughs> I like how you're still working for Winter Wonderland. Yeah, I mean, actually I work mean for Winter throw back to a year ago. But um, yeah, Hyde Park Winter Wonderland is, is fantastic. So make sure you go over the festive period. Amazing. That is the end of this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And please rate this podcast wherever you listen to it. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, we're everywhere. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. And please check out Jonathan's podcast, which is Pitch Shift. And uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. 
and and contact us as well like make sure you engage with the questions where we were blown away with the responses this week um and again if you've got anything to let us know about or uh, promote on here would be happy to do so yeah whether it's a concert or a recording please please get in touch we would love to hear from you have a great week and we will see you next week for episode 13 yeah i hope you had a nice thanksgiving bye